As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, Dirty Jobs of College Football Edition. I don't know... What we should be calling this, Ari Washerman, but we, uh, we, we've ranked all the jobs in the Power Five within their conferences, and, and you had the, the brilliant and diabolical idea a couple of weeks ago that we should rank the worst jobs in order. The worst job in each Power Five conference, we, that advances to this round in you know, bracket format. Everybody's looking at brackets right now. So it advances to this round. So who will be the best of the worst and the worst of the worst? This is so this we will identify hard. the worst college in, or job in college football right now. The which worst is big. power five job. Power yes, five. That's what I mean. It, yeah. Yeah. Which which let's let's be perfectly honest. That still means you're probably making two and a half million dollars a year and you're probably going to get a nifty buyout when you get fired. So I don't think it bad is relative in this this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Bad. Bad. Uh, situations when it comes to the best possible situation you can be, which is a college football head coach. So, right. you know, I don't feel bad for anybody. Head coach. Yeah, no, yeah exactly. I don't feel I, bad. Well, and, and one of these jobs is open right now, and it's funny because it, it's Sunday night as we're recording this. I fielded a call earlier tonight about the, the job that's open. Somebody saying, can you believe how many people are interested in this job? And I'm like, no, not really, but it's crazy. There's a bunch yeah. of people who want the Kansas job. Yeah, I think this whole thing is is interesting, and I gotta and I wanted to ask you this, and I don't know if it's going to take time uh, before we head to the actual rankings. But somebody asked me a question in my mailbag for recruiting this week that was, "What's the biggest identifiable difference that you can you can place between football and basketball?" Because some of these uh, programs that are on this list are actually, I guess Illinois had a tough weekend, but. Um, really good at basketball and like, why are some basketball powerhouses uh, terrible at football and vice versa when it comes to just marketability of campus and all those things. And of course, you know, tradition and all that stuff takes place. And maybe the fact that all you need is one stud in basketball to be really good. Um, But I do think it's kind of interesting that a lot of the teams that we're going to be discussing have been pretty good at basketball in the recent history. So um, yeah, I was just like wondering what your theory was because I have a few, but um, I also want you to answer this mailbag question for me. I, I don't think it hurts you as a football player or shouldn't hurt you. Like being a school where they're traditionally good at basketball should not hurt you as the football coach because all that should do is tell you that with the right resources, you can win. And, you know, I think we've seen it kind of in reverse at the schools that were good at football first, then got good basketball programs. Uh, you know, Florida and Ohio State played for, for the national title in football and basketball in the same calendar year. I mean, that, that should tell you something. It's doable. You can have both, especially if you're good. Now, I think if you, if you have good football, it's easier to add good basketball. If, if you are traditionally a basketball power, you, you don't, you may not have the raw materials to have a great football team all the time, but if you're at a big public school and you're good at basketball and you, I think you know where I'm going with this and all, well, there's two places I could be going with this. Cause there's, there's another one on our list that used to be really good at basketball, had a dip in basketball 
is now back to being good at basketball with the exception of Sunday. Uh, but yeah, can't always be good at football either. So I, I, I don't think, I don't think there's anything that just takes like, I think Kentucky, which we bring up a lot. Now, Kentucky's not on our list of, of worst jobs. You, you actually love maybe on our list of best jobs. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and we said, if you, if winning a national title is not a criterion, then Kentucky might be the best job in American football because they don't think you have to win the national title like they do the basketball coach. You know, John Calipari is taking a bunch of heat right now because he has not been able to kind of advance their, you know, they were good when he first got there. They got in the final four a bunch of times, but it seems like his system of recruiting is no longer working. So he is now under pressure Mark Stoops would not be under that kind of pressure for the same level of performance. But, you know, the Wake Forest of the world, I, you know, and we'll get into Wake Forest, but I, I think that's one It's just hard because it's a small school. It's the smallest enrollment of any FBS school. That's the type of school that can be good at basketball. It's probably going to be a lot harder to be good at football. So I think you have to take these situations individually. You know, Duke, I think, Duke is a high academic, small student body, so it's yeah, it's great to be great for basketball, but it's going to be harder for football. Vandy's the same way. Kansas, on the other hand, big public school, could be good at both, but not good at football. Yeah, and I'm, I'll let you outline the teams that we're going to be ranking just to remind people if they were crazy enough not to listen to all the Power Five conferences that we did. But I think it's just the the paradigm of. Kansas being one of the best basketball schools in, in the country and being one of the worst football programs in the country. And it's like, how did that happen? It's like you would think if you're a dominant power in one, you would at least be okay at the other. Well, and, and the crazy thing is they treat the football players like they treat the basketball player. And anybody who thinks that a, a Kansas football player is treated poorly or is a second-class citizen to the basketball team, it's not true. They have good resources, good facilities. And I, I, I know I keep bringing up Kentucky, but same thing. Kentucky treats its football players like kings, and they yeah. treat their basketball and their players facilities great too. Amazing, but but the thing is, they don't act like football is second class at Kansas. The, the, now they don't. Do they pay as much as Texas and Oklahoma? No, they don't. And yes, Bill Self and his staff do get what Duke and North Carolina and Kentucky get. But they they have enough at Kansas. They're giving you enough. It it doesn't have to be that bad. It can be better. And and I think I think Mark Stoops is probably. I know we keep bringing him up, but he's probably the model for this. I mean, there are probably times when we would have now. Vandy probably will always rank as the lowest SEC job, but there would have been a lot of times where Kentucky was the next one. Kentucky would have been number thirteen, or if they still had twelve, number eleven. And Mark Stoops has changed the the way that looks by going in there and having a plan. Yeah, and it's going to be what uh, I think will drive the majority of our conversation in terms of whether or not some of these places are are hopeless or just in a bad situation right now. And maybe there's nobody that's hopeless. So uh, I guess I'll just not to steal your thunder, but just name the five from every every because I have it written yep. here. Yeah, uh, SEC it. is Vanderbilt. Uh, uh, ACC is Wake Forest. Big Ten, Illinois. Big Twelve, Kansas. Pac Twelve, Oregon State. Those are the five that finished last. And I couldn't remember if we disagreed on last place, but I know that once we got to the bottom of these lists, we kind of were like, we're splitting hairs. These were the ones that I yeah, had. I think we we agreed. We agreed. I know we agreed on Vandy, Kansas, and Oregon State. I don't know that we agreed on Illinois and Wake Forest, but we could we could argue till we're blue in the face. So we we, we got to pick something. We both had those very low in our yes. in our ranking. So I think I think that'd be fine. Now, so what is the best of these to you, Ari? Okay, so we're gonna start one to five. Uh, okay, I think yeah, Vanderbilt yeah, no, no, is the, the, best. the worst of the worst. I think Vandy's the best because you um, get money. You get money. I think you can sell the conference, but I also think that if you uh, ha- find your your perfect uh, Pat Fitzgerald coach, and maybe that's what Clark Lee is, um, that there's a hope to be at least competitive for what you are. It's like Northwestern, I think, has even exceeded what you are um, and yes. has hit the ceiling of their program, and I don't know that that should be even remotely close to the expectation well, for that school. I, I'll and give I know an example. Bronco Mendenhall told me a couple of years ago I was doing a story on, on – 
Carla Williams, the AD at Virginia, coming from Georgia and and trying to to help Virginia, you know, look at the way Georgia does football and and say you don't have to do it exactly like they do, but do it a little more like they do. And and Bronco Mendenhall, I asked him, I said, "What's your ideal? What would you want to be?" And he said, "We want to be like Northwestern," which look, Virginia probably has better tools than than Northwestern does and can be probably better than Northwestern is. But that's how good of a job Pat Fitzgerald has done that the coach at Virginia goes, okay, I'm going to school with a bunch of smart people. That's who I want to be like. Yeah. And I don't even know. uh, It's funny because if you really wanted to get into the minutia of this stuff, I think you could make a case that Nick Saban hasn't done the best job. And I know that's like, crazy because <laughs> and I don't even know if I believe it I'm not saying that I believe that so before this Alabama fans like, come rip my head sounds off, like saying something to just just argue about something I'm not no going I'm there. not listen 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 that's not I'm not trying to say that he's the greatest coach of all time Alabama is ridiculous therefore he's done the best job yeah <laughs> yeah but what I'm saying though is is that given and I don't know if I'm saying he's the best coach but I think that there are you could make the case for certain programs, and maybe a, a program on this list is an example of that, where things could otherwise be hopeless that have exceeded expectations so greatly that they have passed their ceiling further than maybe even Alabama did. And I don't know if that's if that's just completely crazy. And and again, I'm not. And I think that Nick Saban could do that at those schools. So I'm not trying to take anything away from Nick Saban at all, because trust me, he's a God. I know it. You don't have to remind me of how many national titles he's made and or won and how many draft picks he's made. That's not the point I'm making. But the point is that I'm saying is that taking Northwestern and doing what you did at Northwestern, if you're Pat Fitzgerald has to at least be in the same sentence as that, right? From in, in terms of coaching accomplishment, like, or do you, is it just national no. championships and that's No, it? you have to win national championships. It's, it's a different it's a different category. It's like the intercontinental champion in the WWE versus the heavyweight champion. Nick Saban's the heavyweight champion. Pat Fitzgerald is the intercontinental champion. Okay. I mean, yeah. Every school is technically on the same level. Everybody's a power five school, and thus, in theory, you should have equal opportunity to do that. But to play for two conference championships in the last, what, three years, have Ohio State oh, on the Oh, it's amazing. I, I honestly don't know what, could, what a coach... Like as we go into a discussion about hopeless jobs, what could a coach possibly do better than that? And I guess win a nine national champion or whatever it is. Yes. Like, again, <laughs> I get it. It's but it's, it's win almost like seven national titles. But the, the 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 thing that I get criticized a lot for, Andy, um, is that in my recruiting stories or my mailbags or this week in recruiting where we break down everything that happened in the previous week, I think a lot of times people get tired of me um talking about national championships as the only metric because that's not the same world that the majority of the programs that are involved but, in the sport are living in. But if we're talking in. about the best, you kind of have to. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to – I'm I'm, I, I'm not trying to argue the other way. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Nobody can convince me or you that no, somebody's better at their job than Nick Saban. I'm just trying to put it in a in a context that is as gra- – as, I don't know um, – praiseworthy as possible for Pat Fitzgerald. I'm trying to say he is the epitome of what he could be at his. Yes. And has reached excellence I, he, he to the same point the that ceiling. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's fair. I right. think that's absolutely fair. Nick Saban's a God. Okay. Stay out of my mentions, please. I, I beg you. <laughs> no, don't, don't get don't, in don't, Ari's mentions. Cause I know what's going to happen. The promo guy, uh, uh, our producer is going to go in there or whoever cuts up the video is going to be like, hey, and Ari Wasserman said this thing. And oh, it's that's the 35 exactly right. Seconds, the 35 seconds that uh, um, doesn't have the entire context of the discussion. And then Alabama fans are going to roll tide roll all over my mentions. I, well, I already this is how I'm going to spend my first uh, week of uh, uh, a new life uh, dealing with Alabama fans. That's that's the thing. When when I go on Feinbaum, I always know what they're going to tweet out when I say it. And there's going to be a snippet and there's going to be just just a skosh of context missing just to really get people yeah. fired up. <laughs> just a little context missing. Yeah. Uh, and then nobody bothers to to get the context and then you're crazy, which is my biggest pet peeve in life. But, you know, such is life, I guess, when you do these podcasts. But um, yeah. All right. Let's go into the list, Andy. Who's your number one? 
So I, I struggled with this. I, I will be the first to admit it. So it's not Vandy though. I, because Vandy is so hard. Like you're never going to win the league at Vandy. These other places, it might be possible. I don't know if it's possible at Oregon State, though I did. I watched Oregon State play for a berth in the Rose Bowl in the Civil War game when Jeremiah Masoli was Oregon's quarterback. I, you know, I saw Wake Forest win the ACC. Jim Grove, by the way, deserves a statue for that. Uh, Kansas, they were playing Missouri, and the winner probably had a chance of winning the Big 12, though I think Oklahoma would have smoked that Kansas team in the Big 12 title game. But it's doable. Vandy, I don't think you could ever win the conference championship. The place, so I, I'm going to go the same direction you went toward the money, but at a place where if you actually get it rolling, I don't know if you can win the league, but you can definitely win your division, Illinois. So this was what was so difficult about this because we have metrics that we all used. And I don't know if when we were doing it for the, the previous five uh, episodes where we ranked from top to bottom of each conference. And one of the metrics I used was winability of your division. And Vandy is in a conference that is harder than every other one and winning the conference championship at but Vandy. But the easier division. Still, winning the easier division in the SEC is harder than winning the right. best division in a lot of other conferences. Right. So winning, winning, playing for an SEC championship for Vandy, I think you could argue is the highest uh, stairwell to climb of all the five that we're talking about. But Vandy well, had three things that I used: mm-hmm. money, yep, and they could sell education, which makes them unique. Nashville and 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 being in Nashville, yep. So I, I thought if you the like, what are the, the three things? Could you get the? I couldn't get the three things with all the other ones, so. It was hard well, here, for here's me. The thing. Like, so Illinois, you get it rolling. And we've seen Illinois be good this Steve century. Williams. Right. We've seen them go to the Rose Bowl. Uh, we, when we saw the, the Kirk Kittner team toward the, uh, that mm-hmm. was toward the end of the last century. But we have seen them be good. It's doable. So even if it's once every four years that you're halfway decent or that you're competitive for the West and you only win the West once every eight years, if you're that coach, that gets them there every so often, they're going to pay you through the nose because they have so much money. It's the big 10. They have to spend it on something and it may as well be you. So I actually think Brett Bielema might be that guy who can do that. Yeah. I have such mixed feelings on Illinois because sometimes I feel like it's hopeless. And then you go get somebody like Brett Bielema who has some name rec- recognizability. Ron, and also Ron has Zook had players there. Like, yeah. you know, Juice Williams, you mentioned, uh, Corey Legit. There were some really good players at Illinois when Ron Zook was there. It is not impossible to find good players. Yeah, really, as Ben went there, they had really good players. At, I mean, I, I think, too, that, and, I, and I'm just speaking off of uh, what I think I remember. It might not be true, but didn't Illinois do a pretty good job recruiting Florida at some point? They did. And, then, well, I mean, you had the coach that had just been fired from Florida who yeah. brought a bunch of guys from Florida. So, yeah, I mean, that was that was part of it. But you get the right coach, and they may have it now. We'll see. But I think that's the place where if you have some some – decency look at look at what jeff brahm is making at purdue like if you have reasonable success in illinois you're gonna make a boatload of money yeah the thing that's so weird to me about the big 10 west is that i feel like the entire conference is made up of seven teams that are all trying to do the same thing at the same time so i think that it's an opportunity but it's also like everybody's trying to do their thing to win that side of the conference which you know, I, I don't know what it is. It's just like Illinois is one of seven teams and maybe five if you take out Wisconsin and Northwestern and maybe even Iowa if you want to take them out. But it, everybody's trying to be the next big thing in the Big Ten on the west side of the conference to win the net, to win the, the Big Ten championship. And it's like Illinois. And I think part of the reason why Illinois basketball is better than Illinois football is that Chicago is a better basketball city than it is a football city. And and it's just like, I don't know if you need Brett Bielema to go recruit Florida to be really good or to be good enough to win that side of the conference. It's just like, I just don't see it. And I, what is the plan going to be? Is he going to run the uh, Wisconsin smash mouth? No, he's, he said then, he's not. 
And you have to remember, too, that I made Wisconsin my number two Big Ten job. And part of the reason why is that Barry Alvarez red card. And he just fit that identity. Whether or not Brett Bielema has his own identity and his ability to do that outside of what Wisconsin already is, the jury is still out on that. Yeah, so, we have to like, find it, out what, what did he learn in yeah. the NFL? Like, what, what did he bring back? That can help him be a better college football. What can coach? he learn from from Arkansas too? I mean, like oh, that's, yeah. a, that's a well. Yeah. I mean, there's a one lot. Thing there. Is, one thing is don't take the the sixth best recruiting job or the seventh best recruiting job in the SEC West. Don't don't be at a talent disadvantage every single game. Now he he will be at first at Illinois, but you play your cards right, you may not be by year two or year three. So yeah, I mean. It's like they already is now, and he has to do a hell of a job recruiting to make it to make any headway. Yeah, and it's just the the lack of I. So should I just tell you where I have them or wait yeah, till you, I get? Well, I have them at three. Yeah, give me your number Sorry. two. Give me your number two. And my my number two is Kansas. Okay, is that I, weird? I'm not. No, I don't think it's weird, and I think the fact that there are so many coaches who want that job, sitting head coaches, mostly group of five, that want that job should tell you something, that they feel like there's an opportunity there. And it's interesting because I think we sort of do with Kansas the opposite of what we do with like Clemson and Dabo. Like we we make Clemson much higher on our list because Dabo has been so great there. But maybe it's just that Dabo is great. And we don't we won't know until, they, until somebody else tries to do it. But with Kansas... Maybe they've been so bad and they've hired so incompetently that it's actually a better job than we think. If you look at every team in the Big 12, all of them has have experienced some semblance of success in the recent past. Yes. Baylor, Baylor, six years or seven years ago, almost made the college football playoff. Same with TCU. They won the league two years in a row, Baylor yeah. did. Yeah. Iowa State is what they were this year. West Virginia's had pretty solid teams. I mean, Te- I remember the Texas Steve Slayton Tech went years. eleven and one. So the thing that I don't understand is what is if everybody else in your conference can do it at certain points. Like I'm not saying Kansas should go win a national title, but there's absolutely no reason that they should be this bad. Um, and of all the jobs on this list, maybe the the geography of Kansas isn't very good. But it just doesn't feel as hopeless as the other ones. And I just feel like because there's testimony of every other team in the conference, and they, they've actually been to an Orange Bowl in the recent past, too. Like, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that a coach doing the right thing can make them a competitive football team in the Big 12. I'm not, I mean, six and six. Like, is that impossible? I, can't, I, I impossible. can argue that it's probable. If you I do think, it right, I think you can be a seven and five type team if you schedule correctly in the non-conference and they have scheduled for that. They just have been so bad that they haven't been able to win those. But no, I, I think there's absolutely a path to success at Kansas. And I think we, we probably underrate this job because they've been so terrible at hiring coaches and so, yeah, I, I, I like your number two of Kansas, and that is who I have at number two as well. Because Oh, good. I feel like that one of all these has the best chance of success with the right person. And if you get going there, you can be good. Now, I, I, I agree. When we've discussed this before. If K-State's good and Iowa State's good at the same time, it does make it a little harder to be good at Kansas. But... It's not impossible. You're at a big state school that has money. I mean, they're not they're not completely flush. It's not Texas or Oklahoma, but they have money. There's no reason you shouldn't be halfway decent there. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You have Illinois number three. Yep. I have, I have Vanderbilt number three because of money, because of Nashville. But I just think the league is so hard that you are going to fail. And, and the other part about the SEC is now Derek Mason got time, sometime, more time than most SEC coaches get. But really, you're going to get run probably before you should. You're never going to get the chance to, to, to do what you want. You're never going to have enough time because there's so much money flowing in. The SEC is so, so competitive. So that sort of rubs off on everybody else. And then and Vandy does enjoy success at other sports. Now they should be much better at men's basketball than they have been. They're very good at baseball. Tim Corbin is a legendary baseball coach. So they see that it's possible, but the problem is in football, it's not possible because there's just too many players on a football team. You are not going to get a team that talented that you can win that many games. Now, again, James Franklin did win nine games two years in a row at Vandy. I still contend that that was a miracle, and that will probably not happen again. So <laughs> I just here's the I think, thing that I wanted to but, interject, though. But at least you get to live in Nashville and make a bunch of money before you get fired. That's true. I feel like if we rearrange the list based on individual metrics, you would have five different lists. It's like best best geography, best chance of winning, mm-hmm. most money, most available resources, location, cool city, like all these. It's like you could rearrange this list based on well, everything. I mean, yeah, Champagne and Corvallis are not gonna <laughs> not gonna come up very high on that list on the cool city list. Yeah, no, but, but I mean like Vandy is my number one, but they also, I think you could make the case, have the worst odds of winning their conference. Oh, 100%. Which means that I probably did the list wrong. But but the fact of the matter is, all of these jobs, are it'd be very hard to win the conference. Like, I have Illinois number one. Do I think Illinois is going to win the Big Ten anytime soon? I do not. Do I think Kansas is going to win the Big 12 anytime soon? I do not. But the thing but about Illinois can, is they would they only have to be beat one team re- to do it. Yeah. And the, the right but, scheduling year, like Vandy, for them to do it would have to get through, like, Oh yeah, three powerhouses in the same well, year. And, and Illinois could conceivably the crazy win it. thing. The crazy thing is, like we talk about Franklin and the nine wins, and everybody's like, "That was a down SEC East." One of the years when he won nine games was 2012, when Georgia and Florida finished 11 and one. Georgia plays the classic SEC. Actually, well, no, Georgia. I'm sorry, Georgia was 12 and 0. Florida was 11 and one. Georgia plays the classic SEC title game against Alabama. Would have won the national title had they beaten Alabama in the, in the SEC title game. So that was a year that, that Franklin went won nine games. Now, he obviously did beat Florida or Georgia that year, but it's it's doable to a little Vanderbilt to a has to beat extent. Georgia, Florida, and Alabama in the same year. Yeah, they're not going to win the league, and I don't think they're going to win the Illinois could, could have a situation where it has to beat Wisconsin and Ohio State. And and they might beat Wisconsin. I don't know. And they could Ohio beat Wisconsin. State. They beat yeah. them two years ago. Yeah, they did. So that's why I, you know I I put the the ability to win. I like the listeners say I'm all over the map on this, but I, I just sort of have things that weight more. And being able to win the league weights a little bit higher, but money also weights very high for me, which is why I have Illinois number one because the Big Ten has the most money. So, yeah. All right. What is your number four? Wake Forest. Mine too. This is the ultimate compliment to Dave Clawson, by the way, that we put this, put them here because Wake Forest as a football program recently has no business being here on this list. They have been a very competent football program. They were, they are good. They're a tough out. Like They're you hear Dabo to too. They're oh, absolutely. To you hear Dabo yeah. Sweeney every, every year they have to play them. Like this is the best coach team we play all year. We hate playing them. And so this is just us saying it's not an easy job. And Dave Clawson is doing an amazing job. So you can get mad at us Wake Forest fans for putting you here, or you can understand 
It's coming from a place of love. Like the job Dave Clawson has done there is phenomenal. It is so hard to win there. It, it, you are up against so much, and especially being the division they're in. You know, North Carolina and Duke, they're in the other division. Wake Forest is in the in the Clemson, Florida State, Louisville division, the the, the Atlantic division. I do know my ACC divisions, uh, and and it's just the fact that they've been this good the last few years is amazing. The saving grace here is that they're in a, I don't know, their state has a lot of talent, but their state also has a lot of colleges. <laughs> it's four <laughs> four Power Five teams, <laughs> so. And that's why they were so low on my list to begin with, because it's like they're the worst uh, team in their own state. Uh, and there's Small, a lot of people. Smallest enrollment. Yeah. Of any, not just but it's any a great school. school any, it's a great school. Yeah. In, in a, a great good place. state. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, I would have Wake Forest way further away from the hopeless list. Well, Maybe. I mean, they've won the league this century. They have won the ACC in this century. And the thing, too, is some of these teams, like Wake Forest is on this list because of their conference um, and not because and they're division, one of the top. I mean, Cle- Clemson's it's in like your a division. Thing. If, if yeah. Florida State ever gets gets its head on straight, they're going to be really good. If Louisville gets rolling, they can be really good. Like it, the, the ceiling is only so high at Wake Forest, but the ceiling for other teams and NC State, same, same deal. If they ever get it rolling, their ceiling is really high. But like you could say, you could make a case that there are multiple teams in other conferences that are worse than Wake Forest is that just oh, yeah. aren't on this list because they just. Oh, they, it's just like this a is not issue. a judgment. This is not a yes. judgment of their performance on the football field. It is not. Yeah, it's like if Washington anything, State should be on this list. I would yeah. like rather work at Wake Forest and Washington State. Yeah, we had to pick one in every league. So, right. Yeah, yeah. So I just want if if the, if their Wake Forest fans are out there, we're trying to be as complimentary as possible for the circumstance that they're in. Yeah, Dave Clawson, Coach of the Year, pretty much every year. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's he's done a fa- just a fabulous job there, and and so that brings us to Oregon State, number five. Just a tough job. You know, you're you're in a geographical location that's not great for players. Unfortunately, your rival, which is about 45 minutes away, has figured out how to get players, lots of them, and and has somehow managed to become kind of the coolest team in America at times. And that makes it even harder. Why? I'm just trying to remember. Did I have Washington State second to last? You did. Because you could make the same discussions about Washington state, but I think it's because we had more success. I I, I think that's all there is to it is they've had more recent success. They've had more all, you know, just in general success, Oregon state has been good at times. And, you know, Mike Riley had some good years there. Uh, There was the, the period where USC seemed like it would have to go up there on a Thursday night and get beat. And I just, I don't know though, if it's one of those things you can sustain. And I think Jonathan Smith is doing a very good job there. The fact that they beat Oregon this year is fantastic. Uh, I I really, really love the way he's got those guys believing. I love the turnover chainsaw, but I just think it's a really hard place to win. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's just, it kind of like you have the least money of any, any conference. I mean, you saw John Wilner's report on the the PAC 12 network where they may just shut it down and sell those games to, to an ESPN or Fox. Because they're getting so little money off of it. I mean, they're only getting like $3 million a year off the network. And compare that to the SEC or the Big Ten, it's ridiculous. It's like kind of one of those things of, it's just like, you know the score. You know, I mean, I don't even know. People know the score. All right, we we have another ranking. We, We talked about this. But before we get to that, we have to talk about something else that happened this weekend. If you have not been following Ari on Twitter, well, first of all, what are you doing? Because yeah, what are you doing? It's where you find the best fillet of fish content on the internet is is Ari's Twitter feed. But if you were looking Friday night, you also saw something quite magical. And Ari, uh, Ari made a committable offer or put out a committable offer on Friday, I and uh, he it was a five star. Landed yeah. a five star on the spot. Yeah. So now I hope that that gives me. Uh, 
gives me some credit when I criticize people for lack of recruiting because if you're unable to uh, secure your wife, then you can't you can't well, you, recruit. You you have now made the joke that every new head coach makes. I know. Yeah. Are, is my uh, staff? Do I have a staff of good recruiters? Well, look at their wives. Yeah, that's the joke. Um, can I ask you a question? You may. How many times can you hear after proposing to somebody you outkicked your coverage before it becomes offensive? <laughs> like, is well, that like a I, compliment? Do people think that's a compliment? Like, it, everybody it said it to me. Literally everybody, and it was just every, like everybody said it to me too. And it just, okay, you, I just didn't know if it's just like, am I that bad? <laughs> take take it for the compliment that it is because they're complimenting your future wife and that's what matters. Now, yes, yes. I want you to practice something with me because this is, I, I've been married. For, how long do you think I've been married, Ari? Uh, nine years. <laughs> no, in July, I'll be celebrating 20 years. So I've been married wow. a long time. Yeah, I've married a long time. I got married real young. So I'm going to give you the best advice that I could possibly give you. Wow, 20. Repeat after me, Ari. Okay. No excuses. I messed up. No excuses. I messed up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's it. Uh, Learn to say that. Learn to say that and you will live a happy life. I haven't um, been 100% great at that. Um, I think it's give and take. Uh, And our number one argument is always like, me saying to her, are you going to take any responsibility for this? Or is it just a hundred percent? And that's when things go off the rails. It's so like, I have to be on you every yeah. time. It's like, are you going to take any responsibility no. for this argument? Or am I just a psychopath? Uh, but I'm working through it. I'm super excited. Sorry, the listeners of this uh, podcast know that you're just a psychopath. So we, we've established <laughs> that. Yeah. I mean, God bless the woman for putting up with, uh, uh, my lists and my theories and my thought process. And, and Lord knows that, you know, maybe yeah. I'm just a little messed up ask, in the head. Does she care the least bit about college football? Uh, no, that's, beautiful. she supports that's good. She supports my, uh, career and understands that I have to be engaged in it and talk in it, but she couldn't speak about it. You know what I mean? She doesn't, she knows does like she, certain players. Like, does she believe stars matter? She does. Yeah. Good. Because I, I think it matters. I think talent matters in everything in life, not just college football. That's exactly right. So this is this is great, and I, I'm glad I'm glad I got you two onto Bridgerton. I'm shocked that you watched Bridgerton yeah. and, st- and still decided to get married. But hey, I'm glad glad well, it's, it's. I have a going I have well. a confession to make. We started it, and then she got tired, and then we didn't watch it yet. So tonight, after the podcast, though, we're watching like three of them. So oh, good. Well, maybe it's, it, it's it's good that I didn't watch it before. Yeah, she's actually. already got the ring on the finger. That's good. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you guys, you might have had second thoughts about asking, and she might have had second thoughts about accepting if you just watched the whole thing. So yeah. speaking, speaking of dramatic television, we've been doing these random rankings at the ends of these shows, and, you know, we do a lot of food stuff, but Ari and I have spent a lot of our lives in front of the television. I, I, you can probably tell by looking at us. So this, by the way, is also why we've outkicked our coverage. But yeah, we are going to do our top five drama series. We, we said TV shows, but listen, we got to break this up. We got to do dramas and comedies because it would get very tough. And, and for me, I'm just not a serious person. So I would all of mine would be comedies. So it, let, I, I would rather split it up. So. Let's uh, we'll start at number five because this is, you know, I felt I like think comedies would be harder. Comedies is going to be very hard. I was looking through today and it's going to be it's going to be a struggle to limit it to five. There are going to be a lot of honorable mentions on mine. Uh, but would you like to uh, to give us your number five drama? Yeah. Yeah. And before we start this, because we always have to say something before we start this um, is Entourage a comedy. Um, I mean, in that it's not funny, so you wanted to put it in drama, or like, that I don't know. Like one what of the characters is, that, is called is, Johnny Drama. Uh, is, Entourage is, is a comedy. Okay, because I didn't make funny. it on my list, but I loved Entourage, and it would have made it if people didn't view it as a comedy. Um, so my number five is a I, television the, series that only weird start here. <laughs> why? 
Okay, Entourage just, isn't going to make oh, oh, anybody's yeah, yeah. list but yours. So. Entourage is incredible. I don't know why. I think it's you a little underrated. You Entourage one of the five best dramas. <laughs> I would have put my number five if it was a drama. A psychopath. A also, psychopath. see, it is a true psychopath. But also, that show saved my life because before Ari Gold, everybody called me Ari. And uh, I have some oh, sentimental value perfect. there. Perfect. Um, okay, so my number five only has two seasons, but they were both incredible seasons. And there's going to be a third one, but I think number five is American Crime Story. I don't know if you've watched those, but the OJ, not. the OJ season and the Gianni Versace seat, it is insanely well done. And I thought that the two seasons were very entertaining. And I don't know that this would make most people's lists, but I just like haven't enjoyed watching a full season of television the way that the, 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 I did with those two. And, you know, I always am off the wall and I know that people are tired of it at times. And no, I think not. that some of my answers are going to be normal and some of them are going to be off. Um, and that might be off, but if you haven't seen those, they're incredible. And the third season's about Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton. And I'm very much looking forward to that coming out. So, cause it's like, it makes you feel like you lived it. Uh, even though you didn't, and I knew nothing about the assassination of Gianni Versace before I saw that. And it was like, I was captivated because they're true stories. Oh yeah. Andrew Cunanan. I I remember when it happened. I knew nothing about that person before I saw the show. Imagine like learning about that guy, knowing nothing about him and then watching it in a drama and like how insanely interesting. How old are you for the OJ trial? I was very young for the OJ. Yes, yeah, so you were like seven. Like, yeah, we watched. I the, watching they rolled, it. They rolled was a TV it. into my classroom in high school to watch the verdict. Yeah, in the OJ yeah. trial. I mean that—that's how much everybody was into it. So, all right, my number five. I, I have two. I struggled between two Timothy Oliphant-led series at number five. I, I was going to go Deadwood, which is unbelievable, but I had to go Justified. I love Justified so much. I just love. All of the characters, uh, Timothy Oliphant is fantastic as, as Raylan Givens. This is the best Elmore Leonard page to screen adaptation. Uh, Walton Goggins as Boyd Crowder is one of the best villains in television history because a lot of the time you don't feel like he's the villain. You feel like he's the hero. And it's just just a tremendous show. Tremendous, tremendous show. Ready to have your mind blown? I haven't seen either of those. And it's the most because I feel like I've seen everything. I'm at the point now where I, I'm like, what do I watch? I've watched well, the Internet. I, I, um, I've, got, I've got one that I haven't seen. And I'll admit it now. So you're not screaming at me when it's not on the list. I haven't watched The Sopranos yet. That is absolutely. Ins- that's like. That is awful. I you mean, was justified. Awful. No, I know. But come on. We're not going to put justified in the same category as The Sopranos. You like, haven't watched Deadwood. A lot of people would put I Deadwood know, in the same category. But part of the reason why is like during the pandemic, I've watched basically everything. And like when you live with a woman for the first time, you have to watch things that they might want to watch. And she hasn't been high on those. So I might have to do that on my own. But The Sopranos is like everybody. I mean, that's I'm, that's, I'm going to get to it. I did not have HBO when it was on. I, I was I did not. I could not afford HBO when The Sopranos was on. And I've never gotten around to do it. Like, I got around to watching The Wire. I got around. I, I did not get around to watching The Sopranos. I will. I promise. It's a summer project. But that's okay. why they're not on here. All right. What is that's your number insane. four? That's like, I think that, not to, to overdo it, but that is the most egregious thing that's happened in the history of our rankings. Okay. I think. I, I mean, I, that's my vote. Okay. My number four is Friday Night Lights. Ooh, um, I don't know nice. if you've seen that. Um, I have. But- season two never happened. Landry never killed a guy in a parking lot. I cannot believe they did that. That's the one thing. <laughs> Were they like, I read somewhere after the fact that they did that to keep it going because they thought that it was going to get canceled. Well, they, they very much did. So fun Friday Night Lights story. Uh, Jason Street, played by Scott Porter. I, I, I did a story on Friday Night Lights when they were worried they were going to be canceled. And uh you know, saying, hey, this is a great show. Everybody should watch it. And I asked Scott Porter, knowing that he would answer this way without him knowing why I was asking. I said, what game in your high school football career had the most Friday Night Lights ending? And he goes, oh, the Lake Mary game, my, I think, sophomore junior, whatever year that was for him. I can't remember what year he graduated. And I'm like, guess who their starting right tackle was? 
And he's like, oh no, we had the, he played at Lake Howell, which is one of the team, you know, one of the schools in the county where I grew up. And we played the weirdest game. It was just a crazy, like back and forth, boom, boom, boom. And they score near the end. They stop us. All they've got to do is run out the clock. They had a really good running back. They hand off to him. He comes bouncing off the edge. And I'm standing on the sideline like, we are done. We are so screwed because this guy gains like 25 yards. And then our insane safety, who wound up being uh, in the original signing class at USF, just runs over to the guy and takes the ball from him, like on the field. Like he, it looked like he was going to knock him over the sideline and he stops and he grabs the football. And I think he's, you could hear him say, give me that. And then he turns around and runs into the end zone and the refs were so confused. They had no idea what they just watched, but we ended up winning the game because of that. And so me and Scott Porter were, were talking about that and it was just crazy. Um, and That's he's, a crazy he, thing because I didn't know he played football. I just yeah, thought he was he, an actor. he was pretty good. He and he was on a team. They had a guy named Tam Hopkins who played at Ohio State, who was an offensive lineman. Uh, I, th- I don't think Kavika Mitchell had gotten to the varsity yet, I, or he may have just gotten to the varsity and was was real young. But they had they had really good players on, on at their school, and so that but that they did the high school football so well on that, and Kyle Chandler was a perfect high school football coach. Like my dad was a, a high school assistant when I was growing up. So I, I was around a lot of high school football practices. Like the way Kyle Chandler chewed gum was perfect. It was I unbelievable. Just, it was a great sports show, but it was also a great drama. And I, well, he, he and when Connie we get to the top, made it. And when they get to the top three, like I don't know if Friday Night Lights or even American Crime Story fit in with the legends of the top three. Um, but God, that was a great show, and everybody well, and loves it. I yeah, don't think anybody no, doesn't like it. My number four is a mu- is also very much a popcorn show, and it's very much a sentimental thing for me. Not necessarily the greatest, you know, filmmaking, but it's Magnum PI. I love Magnum PI. If a Magnum PI, like when when it was on A and E, when the reruns were on all day every day, I would just stop. And watch and watch and I lo- I love that show so much. Zeus and Apollo, the the two Dobermans and uh, and Higgins and uh, TC and Rick and and you know Thomas and the Ferrari. It was just so good, so perfect. Okay, so now we're zero for three on ones that I've seen on your list. So uh, I don't know if that was before my time or not, but I've never. It seen was that way show. before your time. There's no reason for you to How watch. How old that- are you again? Well, I'm not I'm that much 42. younger than you. I'm 42. Okay. I mean, you're, you're a so young 42 then. I mean, that's, I, that's I don't when, know. when I was a kid, you tried to stay up to watch Magnum. You tried to stay up to watch. Like, I remember trying to stay up to watch Moonlighting. Moonlighting is a great show, which you probably don't remember at all, but they, and it's not streaming anywhere because they use so much good music that they can't clear it. They can't afford to clear it. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's one of those that, and then when I was in college, it came on in reruns on cable and, so you have a lot of downtime in college and I watched a lot of uh Magnum PI and Night Court. <laughs> well, maybe I've got a list here. Maybe I'll start watching some of these and, and I can relate to you a little bit more. They, they, uh, but the thing is, it, this does not, it's not the same thing as what we're going to get into. You know, it was very episodic in nature. This is, it was a network kind of war horse show that they made 20, you know, 25 episodes a year. So it wasn't every episode led to the next one. Let's it's not, it's not a string of pearls like Mad Men or, or one of those. So, but it's one of those, if you want to be entertained for an hour by a guy with a sweet mustache driving someone else's Ferrari, it's awesome. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Okay. So now we're going to get into the big boys. All right. Number three, my number three is Sopranos and, it should probably be number one, but um, the other personal two. Personal preference on, has to play into this. Yeah, too. personal. Pr- I mean, I, I, I when I think about Sopranos and when I'm watching it and when I remember it, it's funny, it's serious, it's violent, it's lo- I, I, it's everything. And I think that the writing in the show is absolutely brilliant. And I almost feel bad putting it number three, but s- since you haven't seen it yet. 
I think that if you go watch it, it will immediately at least be in your top three. Oh, it is I, the I think perfect I'm show. Enjoy it. And people hated the ending. I don't hate the ending at all, especially now that I understand. Like it's been years. I watched it years later. I didn't watch it week to week because mm. I didn't have HBO when it was going on. But well, I watched that, the whole series. One of the reasons, the, the reasons why yeah. I haven't watched it is I know I will binge the whole thing, and I just I watched don't the have whole time. series in like three weeks, and yeah. that's a lot of television. Like I was watching three, four episodes a night, and. Um, and even now to this day, like I'll go back and watch like YouTube clips of scenes because it's such a unbelievably well done show. Um, and you know, after you watch it, you can watch individual scenes and be just as like enthralled by it as you were when you watched it the first time. And like the acting and like the, I guess lack of better word drama and just like the things that go on, but also gives you like a, I think it's also cool too, that like you view the mob and. Uh, organized crime as something that happened in the seventies, like during the Goodfellas years. And it's like, this is happening in the nineties, uh, right. As like cell phones are being created and in New Jersey, a place that we go to all the time for work. And it's just a fascinating show. And I, I think it was so well done. It's just like uh, insulting that it's number three on my list. And I'm, I apologize. And if anybody wants to call me crazy after for putting it three, I will listen to that abuse, but wait till we get to the top two and then we'll decide. Number three for me is Mad Men. I, I love Mad Men. I, I thought you know, John Hamm's performance as Don Draper is incredible. Uh, John Slattery, probably my favorite supporting actor in that series. He was Roger Sterling is <laughs> Sterling's gold is is incredible. Uh, I just the, the the writing on that show is so tight. The storytelling is great. Uh, they just you really got to know those characters and understand those characters. And they, they let you spend a lot of time with them. And I, I think the acting was, was brilliant. Uh, if you ask me how my day is going and things aren't going particularly well, I'm going to go, not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. <laughs> um, Pete, Pete Campbell is one of the smarmiest people ever put on television. And I love it. I think that it was super well done. It made me nostalgic for a time I didn't experience the outfits, the acting, the way that things were, it was such a fascinating show to watch because I felt like it gave me a window into the past uh, more than any other show that maybe like at least a period show. Cause it's like just watching them guzzle booze at their desk and like smoking chain, smoking cigarettes. It's like, how much, how do these people function? Cause they were drinking. And also the constantly. way, the way that America changed through the sixties. I mean, and right. they, they did it in, in many ways. Like they have episodes that kind of mark time, you know, that everybody be watching a boxing match that, you know, happened on this or day, the moon or landing and things like landing. that. Yeah. Uh, and, but there'd be little stuff like after one episode, the, the, as the credits rolled, it was the first song from when the Beatles right. went really electric. And it just, I mean, it, it's one of those things that they, every, they planned out every little thing. They weren't winging it. You know, like I, I loved lost, but you could tell by the end, they were just completely winging it. They had a plan from start to finish on Mad Men. And I just, <laughs> the, the Coke commercial at the very end where Don yeah. <laughs> dreams it up while he's on the top of the mountain. It's just unbelievable. Spoilers, yeah, I, sorry. The one thing that I will say, because Mad Men's not on my list, even though I very much enjoyed it. I felt like the entire series, you were waiting for something big to happen, and it just kind of never does. Like there, you were waiting for like a major dramatic thing. Well, I think and I don't know if they it's just set because it up as that thing being Don's identity being yeah, found yeah. Out. But, but you thought it was going to go off the rails from like, there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was like no big deal, and it's just like I thought maybe he would have been like somebody who did something terrible in his past, or something truly awful, or a man on the run, or something that he's blending. And it's just like it's dramatic, it's, and there's divorce, there's cheating, the there's identity. You know, I know, but like it's not action packed. So you ha and it's a hard show to binge, I think. I think it's one or two. It's not something that I could sit down and watch five episodes in a row in one sitting, especially now that I've seen it. So really well done show certainly should be on the list. It just didn't make mine because, you know, a lot of the show kind of blends together. Like I look back at it now and like if you remove two seasons from it and then it ended where it ended, I think it would have been the same experience. Does that make sense? It does. So what is your number two? Fargo. Oh, and now season one of Fargo was awesome. I, I didn't get it. I tried to get into seasons two and three could not as much, but season one was awesome. 
I think you can make an argument. I think season one of Fargo might be the second best season of television ever created. Um, but I think season two and three are also unbelievable. I was very disappointed by the latest season. And I think everybody kind of agrees with that. It was a really, I don't know if it was because of COVID or they changed their style too much. The latest season was, was trash. And maybe that should be put down a spot behind Sopranos on my list. Um, because of that, and you know what? I'm going to switch them. Sopranos is two, Fargo is three. That's fine. That, uh, that's perfectly <laughs> understandable. But Fargo, I think, is brilliant. And sometimes it goes a little over the top with the violence, but the the acting and the Minnesota feel of it, the the accents, the the language, the writing. I just thought it was a it's a brilliant show, and I love it very much. Yeah, it, it is it is outstanding, and um, you know Billy Bob Thornton in that first season. Was, Talk about one of the best villains in the history of television. Oh, I mean, geez. But I thought, I thought Martin Freeman was fantastic. And there, it's interesting. Cause I don't, I don't know if this counts. Cause like the, the Sherlock Holmes BBC series with, with Martin Freeman as Watson and, and Benedict Cumberbatch as, as Holmes. I feel like those are a bunch of movies. Like I don't look at those like a TV show. Yeah. Otherwise they might've had a shot at this list. Because that that show yeah. was awesome, but that that season one of of Fargo was just tremendous. So I, I'm with you there. Uh, my number two is Breaking Bad. Uh, it's you know start to finish, awesome. Uh, I loved the way they turned Walter White into a monster. You know, I I am the one who knocks. Uh, Jesse, probably my favorite second banana character in in TV history, and just every. Everything was so tightly plotted. You know, I, everybody has their, their favorite episode. Face Off is, my, is, is one of mine. I won't give away what happens at the end of Face Off, though the uh, title might. But, but, and, and then that makes watching Better Call Saul so much more fun, too. But my favorite, favorite, favorite Breaking Bad episode is Box Cutter. You remember that one? When they're, they're trapped in the super lab? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Oh my God, that was so gruesome. It was, yeah, it was incredible. And it was that, like the, that was a, yeah, um, that that episode, um, like made Gus what he was. Like yes. this whole, like I mean, like Gus might be one of the most mysterious um, characters and most. Well, and, and whenever he was on Gus's the television, backstory. Gus's backstory yeah. is heartbreaking, and. That's the thing is, you know, people sometimes people get mad that, that there's so much moral gray area in a lot of these shows that the, the villains can be the heroes and the heroes can be the villains. But that's how life is. You know, life is a series of, of decisions you make and situations you get put into. And you could argue that Gus Fring didn't have to become what he became, but the cartel kind of put him on the path to do it. Yeah, and I, not to spoil anything for you, Andy, but Breaking Bad, I think, is the first show in the history of television where the protagonist becomes the antagonist. But also, when he becomes the antagonist, people don't view him as the antagonist. Right. I think you root for Walter all the way through, despite the fact that he transforms into this overwhelmed teacher and to a drug kingpin. Um, but the one thing that I will say is... I, I, I didn't. I Like, by... Yeah, I, were like you Ozymandias out on Walter? Is, I was out on Walter. Like the last, the last episode, I'm like, go get him, <laughs> go get him. Yeah. Now I was never out on Mike, which is weird because Mike did a lot of bad stuff. I'm surprised. I never was out on Walter. I was rooting for him the entire time, and it's like I know that the the the, the turning point in that show. And Breaking Bad's my number one. The last season of Breaking Bad is the greatest season of television in the history of of whatever you want to say. I mean, I was sweating watching. I mean, like the Face Off episode. I mean that there's no better show. I mean, and I won't even have an argument about it. If you don't think it's a good show, my my girlfriend thinks it's fine, and it like was part or fiance, huh? But like, <laughs> that's right. And I this is like the one thing I hate about her. I don't know how a person could think it's fine. It's a trim. It's but in Sopranos, and I think Sopranos kind of made Breaking Bad possible because the lead character of Sopranos is a vulnerable mob boss. Right. Who does terrible right. he's, things. He's a mob boss in therapy. Yeah. Right. But you 
sympathize with him throughout the entire show. And it's like, is this guy a horrible human or is he a flawed human being trying to find himself? And like that entire series is like a weird juxtaposition between caring about Tony, but not knowing whether or not you think he's a good or a bad guy. And that's kind of what happens with Walter. But when it changed for breaking bad is when Walter had his, the ability to sell his methylamine for a huge amount of money. And he said he was in the king or he was in the kingpin business. Um, that is when you, that was the heart. It wasn't the, I'm the one who knocks thing. It was the, the ability to get out cleanly. The the second he was able to get out cleanly, provide for his family and put the other stuff before his family is when it went from, this is for my family, but this is for me. This is, this is for Um, me. Yeah. But I, it's funny because a lot of people didn't like Anna Gunn's performance as Skylar, but I thought, I thought it was fine. I thought it was exactly what it should be for someone watching someone they love descend into madness and, you know, real and, and getting, you know, kind of slowly getting the information, not, not all at once. Right. And then finally realizing what's going on. And you're like, Oh my God. And but you said this about mad men, Andy, you said everything was planned out. Nothing was by accident and breaking uh, bad comments, small huh. things from the teddy two, bear in the pool for all of season every two single thing. Yeah. That happened in that show and everybody and people think that the season one was boring. I don't know if it's because I've watched the series six times and I watch it when I'm writing sometimes because I know what happens by heart and like it's just a cool thing to have on in the background. But the the Gail Bedecker note in the book, uh, yep. all the things that you think the the Wags. lily of the what is it? Lily of the Valley flower, like yep. all the things that happened in season Lyson. one, and like even the entire idea that. He missed out on a multi-billion dollar company because of his pride and, and the love is the reason that created the obsession to be the best at making meth. Like every single thing that happened was for a purpose and it was just a beautifully written, beautifully done show. The cinematography is next level. I even went to Albuquerque when I was driving through and went to all the places. Like I went and I <laughs> ate at that dog house, you know, where Jesse's always hanging out with yeah. that little, like, oh, yeah. I ate a hot dog there. I went to the actual restaurant that, uh, was Did you go used- ask for Stevia. I asked, no, I didn't go to that place, but I went to Jesse's house. I went to, actually, I don't know if you've ever been through Albuquerque, but Walter White's house, it's like crazy. You just like drive down a normal street and then all of a sudden it's like this normal neighborhood. There's a huge, you know, like gates people put around their pools. Yeah. There's like a huge pool gate around the driveway. So people can't get anywhere near the house because apparently. Is there a Pontiac Aztec sitting in the driveway? (laughs) People, I was hoping there would be, but it's like. I parked my car where Walter would always park when he was afraid to go back into his house, like right across the street. But I guess people were throwing pizzas on the roof. So they like, <laughs> had to keep, they had to get people from getting close to it. But man, I just like felt like that is just iconic. Like there's no show that I think could ever be better. I think that is talk about reaching ceilings. Breaking bad is the ceiling of television. Well, I, I will, I have a different number one. Breaking bad is yeah, my I number can't two. Wait to hear this. My number one is the wire. I, I don't, know that a show has allowed its characters to breathe and just we get to experience them so deeply and you you learn so much about each character uh and it's just it's great writing by david simon but i mean because you you start watching you think okay this is going to be a cop show bunk and mcnulty blah 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 and it's just so much more than that and it's another thing where everything's interconnected like i like this the season on the docks because once you figure, and, and this is probably because I got to binge it and not because I, and because I wasn't watching it week to week, I didn't have to spend weeks going, what, what are they doing? What the heck is this? Like, I kept going to the next episode and found out how it all tied together. And, you know, Omar is such a dynamic, interesting character. And I thought, yeah. and I don't want to spoil it if you, I mean, look, it's a really old show. So if you haven't seen it too bad, but like the way Omar dies... And then the way the police react to it, where it's just like a blip in a morning meeting, like some guy just died. Yeah. Like Omar's a legend in this one world and a nobody in this other world. And even though he was a legend, he's got shot by a kid holding up, sticking up a store. Like yep. it's just, it, it's insane. It, and I just thought the, the season with the kids in the schools was absolutely heartbreaking. The journalism season was 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 what it was. You you knew David Simon was going to get his shots in at the newspaper industry, and, and I don't necessarily blame him for that. But I just thought the characters were were drawn so beautifully. 
And I mean, I like the Stringer Bell. I, I, I use a Stringer Bell quote almost every day. Are you are you taking notes on a criminal conspiracy? Like it, it's just there are so many just moments like that where like Marlo, my name is my and like it's really weird. Have you ever watched Bosch on uh, Amazon? No, I haven't. The guy who plays Marlo plays a cop. And you're like, you can't play a cop, you're Marlo. You know, I, you opened yourself up to criticism for not watching The Sopranos. So I wouldn't be a man if I didn't say I've never seen The Wire. Well, that's okay. So our summer watching assignment, when we have a little more time, is you watch The Wire and I'll watch Sopranos. And I watched the first few episodes of The Wire and because I've been wanting, everybody puts the wire in their top five. And if you were making my, looking at my list and going, where the hell is the wire? Like that's more than enough reason for me to watch it. But you have to be on, like from what I understood for the first few episodes, you have to as pay I, attention, you, have you cannot be playing on your phone. Yeah. You have to like 1000% read the subtitles. There's a lot of subtlety to it. And I think that's beautiful. But at the time when I started to watch it, I wasn't in the mood to do that. And then yeah. I never picked it back up. So like so, at a certain point, it's like watching The Godfather. You got to sit down with intent and be ready to like yeah. do it. You know? Yeah, you can't. And you I just cannot be playing on your phone. Yeah, where you're going to miss stuff. You're going to be like, it's all going to yeah. go over your head. So yeah, and it's not. It's not like it's it's super. You, know, you have to be super intelligent or anything. You just have to be paying attention. And right. that's what I just I. It's one of those shows that I feel like, you know, I. You really appreciate the talent of the writing in that show because there are so many shows, movies where you watch it and you're like, I didn't really feel like I got to know that character. If you spent a second on the screen in the wire, like they know you like, this is what Michael B. Jordan, who's one of the biggest stars in the world now has played, you know, Apollo Creed's son and, and in two movies, uh, he was the villain in black Panther. Like he's been in big movies, but when people see him on the street, they're like, Wallace, <laughs> oh man, I, I, you're making me want to do it because you know what? The foundation of all these shows is the writing. And I know that cinematography is a major part of it and casting and, you know, getting people to, to play characters that you can relate to. But if the writing's not there, then the show's not there. And I know that the, the wire has been viewed as one of the greatest sh- series of all times and that the writing is superior. And it's like, shame on me for not watching it. But like you, I'm, I'll make a pact with you right now. You watch Sopranos, and I'll watch The Wire, Done. and uh, we'll compare notes. But you blew the ending for me, so I, uh, I guess that's I didn't kind of blow. Of- I didn't blow the ending for you because there's okay. like nine endings. the The Omar part is listen. You know Omar. Omar's story is going to end sadly. It from the moment you meet him, but you got to get to know Omar, and you will. And because he's he might be the most interesting character who's ever been on television. Yeah, I mean, and I and I got I got a, a glimpse of him, so you know I need to just pick it back up and and finish the job, and hopefully once I get rolling, I get rolling, you know. Um, but you know that that is on me for not watching it. But shame on you. Yeah, I know. I'm You're gonna, just only I'm hurting yourself, and maybe I'm hurting myself with the wife. Hey, Ari, I'm really hurting Ari? yourself. Yeah, I messed up. No excuses. No excuses. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's all you need to know. That's it. There it is. Thank you for the advice. I'll use it. Congrats to Ari, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday.